figured I'd just keep going until my body told me when I needed to sleep. <laughs> that was my plan. <laughs> and how many hours was it in before you slept? I was about 48 hours in. I, 48 hours? I know, it's so It's wild. Hello, and welcome back to the next episode of the Trail Running Women podcast. I'm here today with my co-host, Baker. Can you say hi? Can you say it louder? Oh, he said the word louder. Yeah, very good. Because he's not in daycare, so we are recording together. Today's guest is Dawn. I had so much fun chatting with her. She just ran a 250-mile race. Sweetie, let's not do that, okay? She's a super fast road runner who has found the trails and run some amazing races. She'll tell you all about it. But I think what I got, I really thought that I would hear about this like suffer fest of 250 plus miles. There were some bonus miles, but her outlook was so positive, even through days and days of running and even retelling the story. You can tell that like she just makes it fun and loves the experience and she's competitive but still just really enjoys her time out there which i think is so inspiring and i think that's a huge thing to remember in the long distance running he's playing with gooder sunglasses should we talk about our sponsor because aren't they pretty so today's episode is brought to us by gooder sunglasses and a few of you i had been chatting with on instagram we thought that we were not moving forward together in the third quarter of the year because the discount code was accidentally turned off, but you can still get your discount. So if I was chatting with you and you want some sunglasses, go to gooder.com backslash TRW to see my favorites and use discount code TRW15 for 15% off. So if that was you that I was speaking to, go back, go to your cart, use the discount code. You still can. Gooder sunglasses, if you haven't seen them, go to my Instagram at hillsport55 to check out some of my favorites. The best part is that they don't. That's right. They they don't slip and they don't bounce. So they actually stay on your face while you're running through varied terrain and sweating all over the place. It's totally amazing. And they're so fun. They're so cute. And they're not expensive. So I just load up on pairs. And if I drop some in the ocean, it's not a big deal. So my new favorite pair is not swagger, just sore, which is like could that be more right for people like us? I don't think so. They're pink with multicolored like blue stripes on the outside. Um, they couldn't be more fun and I love it. And trail running is fun, just like Dawn had running 250 freaking miles. She ended up coming in second. Yeah, that's right, thanks buddy. But she had an amazing adventure the whole time so it was so fun to chat with her and I definitely had to channel some of her positivity like this is just fun when I was in the pain cave a few days ago. So huge thanks to Dawn. If you wanna reach out, find me on Instagram at hillsport55 uh, and keep leaving those five-star ratings and reviews and Baker's gonna serenade us. Can you say bye? Bye. Can you say bus? Bye. He has a lisp, so I'm trying to get him to say S words because it's really cute. Say, go Dawn. Go Dawn. Yeah, go Dawn. <laughs> Let's jump in. <laughs> okay, perfect. Well, that's a great start. I'm here today with a recommendation from a listener because you just finished a 257-mile race, which I think is going to be the longest that we've had on the podcast. So I'm so excited to jump into that and everything else. So welcome to the show, Dawn. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to be talking to speaking with everyone. So, so it's it's mid-June. When? How long ago was your race? It was only about a month ago, wasn't it? It was six weeks ago. I guess today is the finishing day, Thursday, but um, it started on the 3rd of 
May. Oh my God. And how are you feeling? I feel really good. Uh, I've been kind of um, trying to recover a overuse injury with my patellar tendon, but today, this week has been really good with the, with running again. So I'm hoping that this week will be it and I can start training for my next race ASAP. (laughs) That's funny. I actually think I just diagnosed myself with some patellar tendon issues. Do you have any tips and tricks? I'm sure some of our listeners have had this issue too. Did you do, it was just rest to begin with or? Yes, rest. And I have a physical therapist that was doing dry needling to the area uh, some massage, you did some ultrasound and yeah, resting. And then I started doing some strengthening exercises to support the tendon area on that section. So the X, one of the, yeah, that's pretty much it. Well, before we get into your race, let's talk about a bit about your running history. Why don't you tell everyone where you're from, how old you are, and, uh, if you grew up a runner or when you got into running. Right. I started running pretty early elementary school, you know, field day, right? Um, so field day mile, enjoyed just being active. So started running then and continued running through high school, into college with spa, uh, scholarships, did cross country and track, just loved the activity. Exercise just feels so good. I progressed into doing competitive marathoning, uh, went and did the I ended up getting qualifying for Olympic trials in the marathon 2008. So did that, but always just had this draw towards trails. So after I had that experience, which was amazing, I continued doing training with trails and progressed to the longer distances, just really just because I was out on the trails for so long, a lot of times that I enjoyed pushing the body and seeing what I could do. I just felt really fortunate that I could just be out there experiencing the nature and the trees and seeing wild animals and things like that. So that's pretty much it in a nutshell. That's funny. We don't, that's such a, like, it sounds such so basic, right? Like, yeah, I ran in elementary school and then I continued to run and then I ran more. That is like (laughs) the most uncommon story and relationship with running. Um, (laughs) So I'm, I'm impressed. Can you, do you have any, like tips and trick and tricks on how you didn't burn out in that time and just continued to have running be something that you enjoy in your life. And I a hundred percent understand that that is a big loaded question to begin with, but I do feel like that's such a common struggle for people. Right. Well, I did take off some time, a couple years in there, but I, of uh, staying away from running and trying some different things. So I tried things like CrossFit and I just tried biking and mountain biking and things, but I always just was drawn towards being on the trails and running. And so I continued after taking time off when I would go out and run just how good it made me, my brain felt after running, just the energy I would get from the activity is what kept me in the sport of running basically. So I did take some time off here and there as well, but I just really enjoy being out there with all these other runners. I have a little group of runners that we've gotten together uh, here in Flagstaff. We've, by word of mouth, just texting each other. And now we're this big group and we try to get each other out just for the health factor of it and the socializing. Um, And we support each other through our endurance races and we try to just keep each other moving forward. 
so it's been a really great group and it's been a great social event as well, you know? Yeah, definitely. I've found, especially through COVID, having those social connections right. with running has been so important. Right. Yeah. How, how old are your kids? Kiddos are almost grown. They're uh, 15 and 17. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they're uh, on their, pretty much doing their own thing now. Son is a mountain biker and daughter does volleyball. So they're pretty active as well. So, I mean, people always wonder, like, they say, well, I can't take on these big goals because I have a family. But teenagers, I think, take as much probably mental energy as <laughs> young kids do. And tell us when you go to your family and say, I want to train for a 250 mile with a surprise bonus seven on the end right. mile race. What does that look like for your family? Right. So, yeah, my husband, he's a fireman. So he does a couple 24 hour shifts and then he's off for four days. So. Um, and I yeah, work in the emergency room, mostly the operating room, sometimes the emergency room these days, uh, and I'm on my feet a lot. So, and the kiddos, you know, are at school. So I, I usually try to get out and do my training early before everyone's awake, you know, 3 a.m., 4 a.m. before work and things like that. Uh, I know a lot of people think it's crazy. Like at work, they're, they see my Strava and they, they're telling me, how do you run before work? And I don't know. I just enjoy it so much. What if I didn't do it before work, then I wouldn't get it in, you know? And I really think it's important to do that because it just makes me feel so good. And with that, I can bring that um, good attitude towards work and just be happy around the people I'm working with. And the same with the kiddos and my husband. Like I, if I get my runs in, I'm happier. <laughs> <laughs> so they love that I'm active. So do you feel you're on your feet a lot then? Do you feel like that in addition to the runs that you do is um, like extra training? Yeah. Someone else asked me that before, just time on feet, right? 12 hours, 12, 13 hours on your feet. I'm sure it does help me. I mean, it definitely fatigues my feet. Um, sometimes I notice that when I'm running around all day long, super fast um, at work, rushing here and there, I noticed that the next day on my feet. So it's got to help. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. I imagine it does. And I actually think it probably helps with some of the recovery too. I find my worst days are if I have to run oh, right. super early and then for some reason I have to I have a long drive or something. Like right. I'm, it's awful. Yeah. That sitting position is the worst. Yeah, for like sure. It irritates my hamstrings and my back and all that. So yeah, at work I can sit down, but a lot of times I'll just stand and I try to focus on standing appropriately and you know not cocking your hip on the side so you're resting a leg. Just all these different things constantly. Throughout you know what? That's that's, that's such a good point, and I don't think we talk about that enough. Is just when you are just standing and or even sitting, like to sit with good posture and to. Yes. Yeah, yeah, make sure that you are are treating your body right when you're not exercising as well, right. because it all does add up for sure. It's that is so true. I'll I'll notice I'll be standing on a leg and I'll be um, extending my hip, you know. So then I'll just straighten up, and I can just feel the fatigue in my glutes from staying straight in a rack while I'm on one leg, you know, things like that. Yeah, yeah always thinking of things when you're when you're not running necessarily to strengthen your core muscles, right? So let's get into a bit of this race. Um, what race did you do and what was it about this particular distance that made you want to sign up? Right. This was the Cocodona 250 mile. And when I saw the when I saw it come out online, 
just the course on how they had set it up, starting from Black Canyon City, running trails and desert uh, trails and forest service roads up to Flagstaff, which is my hometown, which was the 250 mile route, knowing it and knowing that it went through all these cool mountain towns on the way. I had not even thought about doing a 250 mile until then. But when I saw that route, I just, I couldn't pass it up. I wanted to do it. I wanted to experience starting it in the southern part of Arizona and running through all of these little old mining towns back home. It just seemed like the coolest experience. It would be the coolest experience to do. So that's how I started that part of it um, for, uh, regarding the race. I did have on the agenda to do a hundred miler because my longest up until that point was 80 miles. And I did uh, the manic, uh, the last man standing here in Flagstaff is called the Babbitt's last man standing. It's I think you've probably heard about it. It's the four miles every hour on the hour until you're the last man standing. And I ended up winning that race in, in like just under 80 miles. So that was my longest. And I loved it. It was super fun. Everyone was had such good energy that I wanted to continue. And my next one was a hundred, but then COVID came, right? Canceled all the hundreds. And I still had the 250 on my agenda they allowed me to enter the race, even though I hadn't completed a hundred yet. Um, and that's, that's how it started. <laughs> that's awesome. I don't think, again, I've heard anybody say that they just wanted to kind of be where the route went. So that's such a cool oh, way to, to yeah. take on a race too. Oh, just to find out how to, how to traverse the, the trails back home without hitting any major roads. It was, yeah, I was super excited about that. That's also impressive. Like even in a 50 mile, I get to where I'm like, just trying to survive that I don't think I could ever be like, Oh, it's interesting where I am. So I'm impressed that your mental capacity could also keep track of what's happening at the same time. It was interesting. I went throughout the race. I, I mean, even when I'm, people are asking me about the race, I feel like I was in some weird zone because just little things. I have a hard time remembering exactly what I was thinking through the race time. Like I wasn't worried about the mileage or, you know, things like that, or the time frame that it would take. I was just, I was like tunnel vision to, I don't know, aid stations or towns. I'm not. Yeah. But I just didn't think of the whole, the whole spectrum of the distance. You can't, you can't. I was actually talking to one of my athletes that I trained yesterday. Like even in a 20 K you can't think about the whole thing. Like you've got, you've got to break it down. Um, you, you just sound so casual about this, which I think is kind of the craziest part. We definitely have a lot of listeners that are still like building up to their first 50K. And I know when I was in that place, like I couldn't get my mind around 100 mile. I remember somebody telling me about um, having to DNF a 100 mile race. And I just couldn't, like I couldn't get my brain around what they were saying. Like it didn't make any sense. So 250 plus um, is so beyond what some of our listeners are going to be able to kind of comprehend. So break down to us like, what what are the logistics of this type of race? Like, what time do you start? How much do you sleep? How much gear are you bringing? Um, like, just give us a day-to-day of what this looks like. Right. For me, to, I couldn't even wrap my head around it because I wasn't sure. Because, like I said, it was the first time I had ever, ever ran that distance. So the little, the little things or the things that I thought about were just – maybe that the little things I was just thinking, okay, every hour, you know, what am I going to need to do? I need to take in a certain amount of nutrients. I need to take in a certain amount of fuel and 
So those were, that was like the core, I guess, was the fuel and fluid for me. Um, sleeping, I still hadn't known because I know a lot of people do these ultra races and they sleep, what do they say, 10 minutes and 20 minutes and things like that. So I had no idea about the sleep and uh, I just figured I'd go through the race and try to figure out it as I, as I went, because since it was so new for me, so I, so this race, so that was kind of the base on that part, the sleep and the fuel. The race started at 5 a.m. on Monday morning. So it was still slightly dark. We started down in the desert, which is in the Southern or, um, the Southern desert area, single track. There were, what, 40 of us that started initially. They broke it up. So we all went out, single track course, and we're just basically got into our little groups and started talking and trying to be smart because we had 250 miles to go. So we're not going to be sprinting out of the gate, right? <laughs> so we did that, out running, enjoying the time of the, of the other runners, just conversing, getting to know each other. Then in my mind, just making sure to get that fuel and fluid in, being smart every hour on the hour is how I did that. Um, once I'd hit aid stations, that was nice because it would because it would break things up. So I would usually ask them, you know, how much, how many miles until the next aid station? I could try and plan uh, how much fuel or food I would need in that route for filling up my camel pack and things. When we did this race. The, to go backward a little bit, after the first 11 miles, we had one section that was a 22-mile section that they told us we needed three liters of fluid on because it was such a long section and there wouldn't be any aid in that section. <laughs> Most people ran out of water and some people had, didn't make it after that section because they had been out of water for so long and on the course for so long that they couldn't continue. They just ended up getting so dehydrated. So that was a learning her for the race course, uh, for the race organizers on the race. Um, but it was a 22 mile section, hot. We gained like 8,000 foot elevation, ran out of water. I ran out of water about four miles from the finish. I thought about saving my water, not drinking it as much as I needed. But then I thought if I do that, I'm going to be dehydrated anyway. So I just drank my water and finished to the next aid station with four miles, you know, about an hour out. Uh, see, the temperature was nice and cool initially. Then as the sun would, sun would come out and we were in the desert, the temperatures we know were in the eighties or so. So some people I think rested during the day, but I just kept going through just trying to stay hydrated and, um, um, progress through the race with that. I had an ice, an uh, ice handkerchief that I would wear on my back to kind of keep me cool on those hot days. Um, yeah, so that, then, so let's see, 30, uh, about 37 miles in was our big eight, one of our big aid stations through Crown, Crown King, which was one of the awesome little mining towns that, that hardly anybody goes to anymore because it's kind of off the main route. There were tons of people out there cheering us on. The energy was amazing. Coverage was awesome. They really did a good job covering this course for like social media and things to bring spectators along, which is amazing. So we did that. Continued on more mountain roads, more trails. Um, it was probably about 65 miles in. It was 10 p.m. 
we sat around a little fire. There's a little group of us runners that sat around a little fire because it started getting cool and windy. Uh, so we kind of took a break there. At, it was called Camp Kipka, which is 65 miles in. Uh, I think they have that on like YouTube. They watched our little conversation, which was super, it was so funny because I had no idea they were recording because it was dark. It was 1030. I thought they were going to stop at that point. But so did that, hung with some of the runners, then took off down the hill because at 71 miles, I had my first pacer, Eric, waiting for me and my crew. And we were coming down the hill a little bit. So it was a little warmer. So picked him up at 71 miles. So that was like 20 hours in so far. And I was just so jazzed up for the race that I just, I didn't feel like sleeping or resting. So we just kept going. We ended up going to um, Whiskey Row, which was in Prescott, Arizona, 81 miles. That was another aid station. And just the energy, same thing. Spectators, they were screaming and yelling. It was, what was it? Like three in the morning, 3.30. And you wouldn't even know it. These people were so excited for this race. It was, the support was amazing out there. Like, do you ever get, a lot of people get post-race insomnia. And I sometimes even get it after like a really long run, which is not going to be how much co- how much distance you covered each day. Uh-huh. What were the sleeping arrangements like? And did you have any difficulty sleeping? Sleeping arrangements during the race? Yeah, like were there any oh. places like tents or anything set up along the way where people could stop and sleep overnight or was it just continue on no matter what? Yeah, they did. They had um, some cots and things and I believe they had tents available with cots. So it wasn't uh, well in some of the areas. And then I think there actually was a building for sleeping in, in Sedona. So they did have sleep aid stations depending on where you were with your sleep. But I didn't have any specific plans about using any of those yet. I, I wasn't sure. So I figured I'd just keep going until my body told me when I needed to sleep. <laughs> that was my plan. <laughs> and how many hours was it in before you slept? I was about 48 hours in. I, 48 hours? I know. It's so, it's wild. I, uh, Were you hallucinating or anything at that not point? Not yet. Not, I wasn't at that point. I was at I guess 135 miles in and I was with one of my pacers Colleen and we were about we had it was a 10 mile section to the next aid and about five miles in I just started falling asleep on my feet so I was actually I was having a hard time keeping my eyes open I'm like okay I think I need to sleep (laughs) and so but I didn't want to sleep on the trail I know I hear a lot of people sleep on the trail but I don't know I just had this this inner like calling to be at the aid station when I slept. So I had five more miles to go and I struggled for five miles. Just, I couldn't run because I kept my eyes. I was having a hard time keeping them open. I couldn't focus. Every time I opened my eyes, I was trying to, I would try to focus and they would close again. It was just this crazy, crazy scenario. I was falling off the trail and my pacer was trying to keep me out of the cactus. It was these spiny trees. And we just, we just got ourselves or, my pacer just tried to keep me safe as I meandered onto the, to the next aid station so I could get some rest. So, so what did that sleep look like? How long did you right. sleep for? And so I had, did you have a plan? Like wake me up after two minutes exactly. or something? Exactly. I, I told my pacer, I'm like, give me two hours is what I said. Cause I was initially, I was thinking to her, I'm like, I need a, give me an hour. And then as we were going that five miles and I was falling all over the place, I'm like, man, I want it to be a halfway decent sleep. So how about two hours? Cause I was already two out uh, over halfway into the race and at four, almost 48 hours at that point. 
So we had planned two hours. I got to the aid station. We had a, um, an RV. So I jumped in, just went straight to bed in there. And I actually, so funny because my pacers were, I guess, sitting in the dark while I slept to make sure I didn't oversleep. It was Kyle, uh, Colleen and Ira. And uh, I get like I slept an hour and 15 minutes and I just put my head up and they saw me put my head up and it was hilarious. They were over in the corner and they started whispering. They're like, do you think she's awake? <laughs> and I could hear them talking and they're like, should we wake her up? Because I put my head back down because they're like, it's been an hour and 15 minutes. And I thought in my head, I'm like, oh, I can lay here for another 45 minutes. And then they're like, no, we should get her up. And I'm like, ah, so then I just got up and then we started running. And that, that was great though. An hour and 15 minutes. I couldn't believe it that my body didn't want eight hours of sleep. You know, it must've known I had something to do or something. <laughs> but yeah, hour and 15 minutes. That's all I got. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. And then what was it like those first few steps after you woke up? Oh, it was great. It was, I was rejuvenated. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It was so I just don't believe it. Like, right, let's go. It's time to go. <laughs> Is silly. Oh, that's so but, funny. Yeah, so no really, like major niggles or pains at this time? You were just like, yeah, I'm ready to keep going? I know. Everything was good so far. I didn't have any like cramping or um, hurting. Yeah, nothing was hurting. My feet were good. I wasn't having any bad blisters or footprint problems or anything. Yeah, I was I was really impressed by how my body was dealing with everything. I was, yeah. Well, it's... It also sounds like your natural personality is just so positive that I can only imagine that was like one of the key factors that allowed you to just keep going and enjoying. This. Right. It has to be because I, I totally try to do that because we're, I feel like just humans in general are, we're so conditioned to be negative just, just for safety factors. We're just like, our brain is hardwired like that. So I really force myself yes. to try to think positive in every aspect, even when things are hitting the fan, I still try to try to think of the positive. <laughs> so what was your lowest point of the race if you had one? Yeah, I get I would say my lowest point was when I was at the top of Mount Eldon at 247 miles, almost done 10 miles to go. It was I had had two episodes of falling asleep on my feet during the race when I needed sleep. And I had to struggle for the last five miles to get to the aid station. And I was it was I was on the top of the mountain. It was 8 p.m. I was at 247 miles, like, what is that? Uh, was a 70, so I finished at 90. So I was at 80, oh no, 87 hours into the race. I was so afraid that I was going to just lose my motivation forward and try and start falling asleep on that course. Um, cause it was late. It was so far in. So that last 10 miles, uh, well, let me go backwards. When I was at the aid station, they had told me that Maggie had finished. She was in front of me. And when I was going up that mountain, like every time I turned a corner, I'm like, is Maggie over there? Is Maggie over there? I was trying to catch her at that last, that last section of in Flagstaff. I was trying to catch her. Um, and once I got to the top, they told me she had finished and they're like, congratulations on second. And I'm like, wait, I can't get first. What do you mean? And so that last 10 miles was so nerve wracking to me. Because I, I was just like coming into home now and I was tired and then th I started feeling my legs. I just feel, started feeling aching and my feet were aching and my legs were aching. <laughs> it was late at night and yeah. So that was the worst. My poor pacer, Laura, 
I don't think she thought I liked her just because I wasn't talking. <laughs> <laughs> I think you had a fair reason. At that point. I so got, I so went major introverted and hardly said a word for the last. Sometimes time. you just need to though, right? Yeah. And just talk yourself through it. It's so true. And they were, she was ready. She knew. <laughs> So we were talking a bit before the show, you thought that this was 250 miles and you got to that point and they said there were seven more miles. Well, through um, the race, through the race, we kept hearing little buzzes about the race being longer. So at that point I knew, I knew it was going to, it was 257. Like they had already, it had come up already from the other finishers, like 257, you know? So we knew. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's impressive. So tell me when you got to the finish line and you finally got to like go home, you'd running for 90 hours and came second female overall. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just so crazy. You've put your body through like the ringer. Um, What was it like that night? And did you sleep for 24 hours? Did you sleep for two hours? Were you all jacked up? And then also like sometimes after even like a hundred K I'll wake up at three in the morning with just like, um, the unthawing, I feel like, of the adrenaline. Right. So your body is just in the worst pain ever. Did you go through that times a billion? Crazy. So we came home and I jumped in an Epsom salt bath because I'm like, I must, I think I need to get into a bath or something. Epsom salt. And my husband was looking at me. I was falling asleep in the tub and he's like, you need to get out of that tub. <laughs> Fall asleep in the tub. So I was in the Epsom salt probably for like 10 minutes and then ended up going to bed and what was that? Probably about midnight at that point. Cause I finished at 11 PM. So midnight, I actually woke up at my regular, I woke up at like 6 AM, which is actually kind of sleeping in a little bit, but I could not believe that. Like you said, I didn't sleep for 24 hours. I was up at six and ready to go. It was crazy. <laughs> but, um, but then after, you know, half a day I started, I had to go back to sleep, but I was in like this brain fog too, for about three days. I just felt like my head wasn't clear, you know? which was interesting. Um, yeah. It's like being hung over times a hundred without the party. Right. Exactly. I was, yeah, I was going to bed and waking up. I was waking up at my normal time, but I could only s- stay up and be active and productive for maybe half the day. Totally. Yeah. I a hundred percent can, I know that feeling. I think anybody who's running all trucks knows that feeling to some degree. Yeah. So with a job like yours, how much time did you have to take off after this race before you felt comfortable going back into um, a stressful nursing position? Yeah. So I was finished the race on Thursday. I was off Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So I was at, off four days. So that was perfect timing, actually. Thank goodness. Because the third day, my head was foggy. The fourth day, I cleared up. And then the fifth day, I went back to work. So, yeah. Awesome. And your work people, I'm sure at that point were like, what in the I world know. did you just do? Everyone was so excited because they had that spot tracker and you could take all these spectators along during the race, which is amazing. They should do that on all these ultras because the ultras, totally. you know, yeah, you see the person leave and then you see him come in. It's like, okay, you did a hundred. Oh, wow. That's cool. But they could follow us. They could go to bed and wake up the next day and be like, oh my gosh, she's here. And so they came along, which was super cool. Yes. And I always say that, like, you can't describe to somebody what, like, they just went through a normal day and things probably seemed like they went along quite quickly. But if you've been running for 24 hours, like, you just went through a whole other lifetime and you can't describe that to anybody. So yeah, that would be really cool to even just see in real time, like where this person is going. (laughs) Yeah. She's at 120 miles. Holy moly. It's been, you know, it's been 24 hours or 48 hours. Wow. 
just, yeah, they were excited. They were so excited. They were having so much fun doing that. What do your kids think of this? What do they think? I don't know. I don't know what they think. That you're insane. Her head at me, and they're like, "Okay, mom." (laughs) I don't think they can even. They can't grasp the thought of what it's about at all. So I don't think I could at that age. That's for sure. Most people, when they say you're crazy, it's like, okay, I guess you have like 20 million people tell you you're crazy. I guess there must be something going on. I'm not saying that. When's your next race? Oh, I'm doing another hundred. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Right. It loses its, it loses its effect. It's <laughs> they're not like, they're not telling me I'm crazy anymore. They just, they're, yeah. They don't even know what to say about me. <laughs> so what do you think? Um, <laughs> what do you think was your biggest lesson? If you were going to do this again, any, or any advice to anybody taking on a race like this? Biggest lesson. Well, for me with the race, I learned about sleeping, like how and when I need to sleep, right? We're all different. So um, and now I have an idea of how to sleep. So I, I think I need more experience to figure that one out. The biggest lesson for and other people when they do these races, really just to take care of your own cell, your body, right? You've got to make sure to get that fuel and fluid in. Like even with all the racing, you're speeding up or slowing down or whatever, all of that. I think the most important thing making sure you're getting that fluid and that fuel in because if those go by the wayside, people get sick, they get nauseous, they get dizzy that, you know what I mean? It affects everything. So totally. And getting that food in can be so challenging, but it is, yeah, you just have to learn how to do it and stick to it. Right. Um, what you take in scratch. So that's liquid calories. So that right. is pretty easy. Did you ever get to a point where you were like, I need something solid? Right. So I, I was, taking in scratch and they have a super fuel scratch, which is like a complex, complex carb, which is a slow, it's, um, it's not like sugar. It's, it's a sugar type, but it, it's like a complex carb. So it takes longer to absorb. So it doesn't make your stomach sick. And then I did take in, I was a big on the nuts, like the liquid nuts, like macadamia nuts. So I did a lot of fat, fat things like that. So that would be half my fuel. And then that scratch or scratch super fuel was the other half. And then whenever I, it was nighttime, like dinner time, I'd had, my husband made things like salmon. I tried to stay clean. So I'd do like salmon and, and veggies or, and then breakfast I'd have him, you know, make eggs. And, you know, I tried to be as like my normal diet. And then I had um, like green shakes that I used to drink in the morning too, which was a lot of like greens, basically greens and banana and things like that, you know, whole foods. That's impressive, actually. Salmon on the best of days, I find is challenging, but on a hot day after a 24 hour run, that's really impressive. <laughs> but it was at night. So, time, so, yeah, you know, I don't know. What? Still. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is your next race then? Yeah, I'm, I'm planning to do the Yure 100, which is in the end of July. So, I have not a lot of time to get to training because I've been, um, been uh, working at trying to get this patellar tendon better, which I think I'm on the end of it now so I can start training. But yes, I have URA 100 and then I'm doing, I'm signed up for the Bark. I think you've heard of the um, Barkley Fall Classic, which is like a 50K in Tennessee. And that's in September. So those two things for now. I find that really interesting to have just come off this race and then have another 100 mile come up are you do you have any speed work time to get faster in that or is it just 
recovery and maintain and that 250 probably will have made you fitter? Good question. To be continued. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to uh, try to get healthy, 100% healthy, and then I will implement some more tempo type stuff and maybe mile, mile speed work kind of things, like one mile repeats and things, but nothing faster than that, probably. Yeah, it's funny, you know, like, because normally on paper, I would be like, this is not this isn't, they're too close together. Like there's no way to do it, but there are some people whose bodies just seem to respond to long distance volume in a way that doesn't seem to affect them negatively. And they adapt and they just get faster. We had another person who did a 200 mile Dina who did, um, I think they were like a month apart and it was the same kind of thing where your bodies are just kind of made to go for a really long time at one pace and hold up and it does well. Right. Well, with training, I was doing the 30, 20 kind of back-to-back weekends, the 30, 20 loads, you know, and after about yeah. a month of doing that, I started to feel like I was recovering faster and it wasn't as, as uh, um, it didn't, uh, what am I trying to say? It didn't, I wasn't as tired as when I first started doing the 30, 20 loads. Totally. I find, yeah, it's not like I'll do my 30, well, mine might be K, so say 35K, that much faster. But it's like at the, that evening, I'm suddenly not sitting there with my face in like a bowl of ice cream. Like I'm able to function as a human. And I'm like, oh, that's how I know I'm getting fitter. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, that's awesome. I love this. And you just sound like you're just having so much fun with it, which I think is such a huge, huge part of it. Um, and obviously you do well in the heat. And you were saying you get to go pace a friend to Leadville, which I also think is oh, amazing. Yeah. So it's so exciting in August. I'm going to pace her. Yeah, that's yeah, that's just so awesome. We are just having races come back now in Canada, so we've definitely had some FOMO watching you guys do all these amazing oh, things. I bet, so. I bet you yeah. have. Oh, you're yes. yeah. just waiting for those next races that you guys are going to be sprinting. We're, you're going to sprinting your hundred, exactly, which is a really great, really great system. So <laughs> perfect. <laughs> well, I want to thank you so much um, for everybody listening. We had a hell of a time getting organized today. I read the Google wrong with the time change it's funny because i can get a podcast with somebody in australia who's like 17 hours ahead fine one hour ahead can't do it um or if our listeners want to find more of you do you have a, a blog or a facebook or an instagram or anything that documents your or strava even yeah i have the insta instagram it's greenwalt dawn and then my facebook is dawn stone um and dawn stone greenwalt so my maiden name and my married name so those two sites. Yeah. And then Strava, what is my Strava? Must be, must be Greenwald Dawn. I haven't even checked that one in a recently. So yeah, or Dawn Greenwald. I don't know. Try that. (laughs) Yeah. So that'd be great. The more people, the merrier, because it's fun seeing everyone's workouts and totally right. Yeah. You just get inspired without feeling like you have to like without it taking over. I find that's the the difficulty finding that one place. Um, but thank you again for your time and huge congrats on your accomplishment. I just think that's amazing and like something to look f- or to, to aim for, for probably so many of us. Um, so I love hearing that you just kind of were like, you know what, there's no excuses. I've got a full-time job and a family, but I can do it too. Yeah. So very inspiring. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. I feel like we all can do it. It's just, if we want, you know, if we are able, if we choose to put our mind to it, right. 
if we choose exactly what's the quote we all have the same hours as Beyonce or something so like you know if she can do it we We can can do it it. it's just when we're ready to right don't ready yeah well thanks again and have a fabulous rest yeah you too thank you so much Hillary